All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the FS360 podcast, the Financial Security 360 podcast here at Mulcane Co. You're joined today by host Gavin Nash, that's me, and I'm joined by Danny Archer in our financial planning. G'day, Danny. Good morning, Gav. How are you going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, we've just hit a bit of a storm last night, and uh, this will go out, no doubt, people in, in the next few days, so people will remember what it was, but lots of trees down, lots of power out, but luckily in the office here today, mate, we've got some power, which is good. Yeah, we're good to go. It was a bit like Armageddon driving in, the neighbour's gum tree fell across the main road where I live, which was a bit of a shame, because the gum tree was the crown jewel in there. Oh, really? It was this big 50, 60 year old tree, yeah, and beautiful it's down trees. across the whole, the whole highway, so... Bit of firewood there, but a bit of a shame they've got a fence to fix. Yeah, so. and all the probably all the wildlife that were living in the tree. So, Correct. yeah, now that's and Ballarat, especially where we are at the moment, recording has got a lot of big um, old oak trees, and yeah, there's a few of those gone down today as well. Historic kind of trees too, which is a shame. So, yes, yep. but thankfully, um, not too many people were hurt or anything. A little bit of property damage, but um, we're here today, Danny, to talk about something completely different from the storm. Um, you've just published an article on our website uh, yesterday called The Balance Sheet or Income Statement. Um, and I encourage anyone, um, guys, uh, to go and have a look at the mulkay.com.au website. Uh, the news section has got a heap of articles, um, all free. Jump on and have a read on all different topics. Um, but we thought this one, Danny, was particularly interesting to have a chat about um, because it talks about sort of the uh, the vision of what wealth, being wealthy is. So... How would you define the term wealthy? Yeah, so the term wealthy, I think, is an interesting term. And the way that I describe it is I like to think a person is wealthy when they've achieved true financial peace of mind, which is what I'm really, really big on. And they also have a passive income stream that enables them to do whatever it is with their time that they wish to do. Whatever that is, not not somebody else's. So it's it's important not to benchmark um, because... The financial peace of mind obviously is important in that you're sleeping well at night and you're not stressing about things. And the income there is you're not working for a dollar, but you've got that income coming in that's enabling you to effectively retire and do the things that you like. So that definition, I think, is good in that it, it sort of appeals to anybody. You, anyone can you know, um, connect their own situation to that. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're in a mansion with a Lamborghini. Um, it's deliberately ambiguous to appeal to more people. And I suppose everyone's um, opinion on what wealth is or what a comfortable retirement is will be different, won't it? Correct. Depending on how how their life ran, um, what you know, what they've got as far as you know possessions or aspirations for travel or whatever it is, or to pay for the grandkids' schooling or whatever it is. So, I suppose what you're talking about is you know that um, passive income, which is sort of what could I live on um, that's derived from my investment when I get to to that Correct. age. And to determine the passive income, it goes back to point one on the FS360 chart. There is what are your goals and objectives, which I can't be more strong on, is don't compare yourself to the bloke at the pub or a friend of yours or whatever. If your goals and objectives are X, Y, Z, and it costs you this amount of money to achieve those every year and live the ideal lifestyle you want, then that's that's perfect. That's what you want. So it's very, very important to articulate your own goals and objectives and therefore connect an income stream that's going to pay for that 
Yep, in time in retirement, and um, Danny's just referenced guys or for our listeners the FS three sixty program. It's a twelve step program on our website again, um, So yeah, step number one is goals and objectives, and it, I suppose for any financial decision, Danny, it's a good opportunity to look at your goals and objectives. What are you going to be doing in five years, ten years, twenty years, twenty five years from now? Um, set those goals down, and then you've got something to work towards, like. Nobody likes, uh, during COVID, one of the things I hated was that we couldn't plan for anything. We couldn't mm. have a goal to go and do some travel or whatever. So without that goal, you're a little bit rudderless. You're sort of travelling along and and, um, and especially with work and finances, you might be pedalling hard, but you're not sort of working towards a goal. So it's important to do that first step, which is the first step on the wheel. So Absolutely. Um, Danny, in the article, you talk about sort of main asset classes. What are the three main asset classes we can invest in um, over time? And then what are the sort of the, some of the pros and cons of those? Yep. So in the world we live in now, we have access to a lot of different things. There's, there's Bitcoin, there's gold, there's antiques, there's all these sort, sorts of things that we have. But the three main ones are, are cash, all sorts of cash. Just cash in the bank. Yeah. Cash, turn deposits, all of those sort of things. Yep. Property. So whether that's a warehouse, a residential property, anything like that or shares or business. So whether that's a publicly listed company like the CBA, the NAB, anything like that, or a private company like the one that you might work for, anything like that. So they're the three overall broad ones and some of the pros and cons. So cash, for example, a pro is if you've got 100 grand in the bank, it's going to stay as 100 grand unless you put money in or out, but the volatility isn't there. So you've got the peace of mind and it's not going to change around too much. The con is particularly at the moment, interest rates are almost zero. So if, low, yeah. If, in, if you uh, account for inflation, you're probably losing money by having money in the bank. Yeah. So it's, you know, do you want stability and very little to no income? You've got to weigh that up. With property, you do get, particularly in Australia, there is a big opportunity for capital growth. As we know, the property boom in the, you know, preceding 10, 15 years in the capital cities and more recently in the regional areas, it's gone through the roof. So capital values there are quite good. Not the best form of income, though, as in rents are typically low as a genuine average yield. But then you've also got the added costs of, of property investing. So property management fees, insurances, rates, taxes, all of those things. And then you've also got to account for times where your property isn't tenanted. So, you know, it's never your, your investment property is never tenanted 52 weeks of the year for a 10-year period. So there are periods where you'll get, where you'll get nothing. Shares, its strength is its weakness in that it's very liquid. So you, can, you and I can buy and sell a share in a couple of seconds, which means that the price in the short term will fluctuate up and down. So I'm sure everyone's seen a share market graph where the line you know, is going absolutely crazy and that's the volatility. So I appreciate that that's one of its strengths and weaknesses, but over the long term, if you look at most share market graphs, it's typically going upwards, which is great. And you don't necessarily have the maintenance, which is you were just talking about with rental properties, um, where you you got to you got to manage it. You got to worry about maintenance and and all those costs involved, insurances. So, shares is a little bit simpler, isn't it? Yes, and I would argue it's pro is typically from a basket basket of shares, and you can obviously pick certain ones. The yield or the dividend return, which is your income, circling back to the the point, it's typically higher than either cash or property over time. So you typically get a higher gross return. Plus, there's a little added benefit there called a franking credit as well. So in my article, I've used a, a yield of about 5%. But, you know, the Australian overall market, its yield on a, on a decent sort of basket of shares is closer to 6% as, a, as, a, as an income yep. stream. Um, and as you said, so you're basically getting more of a return from an income point of view, but you're putting less time in. So I would argue that, you know, investing in shares is a truly passive income investment strategy. 
Whereas property, you've got to manage it clearly. And cash, you could argue, is also passive as well. But you, you know, you're not getting any growth, yep. nor are you getting as good a return over a long-term period as well. Yep. And keep in mind, um, listeners, too, that when we're talking about shares, there's obviously uh, a massive range and diverse range of shares available, you know, right from pretty pretty low-risk uh, blue-chip shares right through to something a bit more speculative and a little bit more high-risk, might be a bit of high return. But I know the managed funds that you guys run here, Danny, have sort of got um, – there's different um, elements of those in each of the funds. So, um, yeah, so they'll end up with average returns, is, which is what you're talking about. So Yeah, so we adopt the strategy where we have a basket of direct shares individually and then we also use products that are called exchange-traded funds or ETFs. The benefit there is through one trade, you get access to between you know twenty or three thousand different shares, depending on what that particular ETF is likely is looking to cover. So, there are ETFs that cover the US share market, the UK share market, India, Brazil, but they they sort of go a bit more detail than just countries. They do uh, industry sectors, so you can get some of that are purely just just mining, just tech, all those sort of things. And the beauty thing, the beautiful thing about them is you get the diversification yep. through one trade. You, you've got exposure to all those different companies. But like a direct share, bought and sold on a share market, so you've also got the benefit of the liquidity uh, there as well. And even those, they, they do also an ETF, depending on where they're invested, they can also give you the franking credit benefits as well, which you know property doesn't have in that you're, you're taxed from rent dollar one even if you've retired, it's still it's taxable income right away. So absolutely, there are some some studies out there that you know if you've got a, a decent basket of shares um, with decent franking credits, you can earn around 80, 90 grand without paying a dollar of tax when the dust settles. So a bit of a, a bit of a point of difference. Absolutely, and I think to the I think some people are wary of shares. I know I've been a bit like this way in the past. I'm mid forties now, Danny, but. Early days, like mid twenties, mid thirties, I was a little bit like, oh, I just don't know enough about the share market. But in a lot of ways, because you can get into these managed funds, who are which are managed for you on your behalf, with as you say, a range of different shares and companies in there, in all different industries, you can actually sort of be pretty successful in, um, you know, sort of investing in the share market without a heap of like individual knowledge. Not like you have to open up the share market page of the paper Correct. every day and. And, you know, heavily study it. Um, so when you were sort of saying that potential for passive income is that if it's, yeah, with a managed fund or with a, you know, your financial advisor, they're keeping an eye on things for you. So, yeah. Absolutely. And we don't even proclaim to know which shares to buy and sell all the time. Hence, we have a basket of direct shares and ETFs, all yep. those passive investments to hedge our bets both ways. And as you know, in the financial planning side of things, we outsource our investment analysis stuff to a firm called Invest Sense. And they choose it all for us because, as I said, our strength isn't to in, um, uh, analyse stocks and choose which ones are going you know, up, down, sideways. But like my previous podcast suggests um, with the, the, that Vanguard graph that some of the listeners have hopefully had a look at, over time, yes, there is short-term volatility in the short time, but over, over the long term, um, you should see an upward trend if you can just ignore the short-term volatility. And a savvy investor will actually, you know, through a COVID situation, when there's a dip in the market, that's a good buying opportunity because the shares are still the shares. Some of them may have, you know, gone bankrupt or whatnot, which is a shame. But the big ones, the big CBAs, NABs, BHPs, their share price dropped. But you still look at the performance of that company, and as you, as everyone knows, how the markets have returned since. Um, you know, the long term play is the way to go. And if there is short term volatility, it's a buying. And the same does go for property as well. When there is a, a dip in the market, clearly there is a buying opportunity there for sure. And we've seen how property's gone in the last little while. So accumulators, as in people like you and me who are building our wealth, mm. 
great idea to invest in property or can be a good opportunity. We're more sort of sp- speaking for those pre-retirees to retirees. Might be a good opportunity to just have, a, have another look at your overall portfolio and, yeah. and focus on the income that's generating rather than your net worth at the bottom of your balance sheet. And that's leads into my next question, which was which was to define passive income, which is really what you're talking about there, isn't it, Danny? So that's the income that when retirement turns around or, or appears for you on the, on the horizon, you stop work one day, the very next day you can actually make an income from your investments rather than cashing in those investments investments and slowly spending that money until the day that you fall off the, the, the twig. And you, well, you've and, got nothing left. And then there's nothing left. So And there's nothing left to pass down or anything like that. So to your children or whatever. So that's what you're really talking about, isn't it, Danny? It's, it's income from your lifelong investments that can help you just live your day-to-day life during retirement is passive income. Exactly. So while you're working, your income's actively generated. And you've got to do your 40 you hours. You turn up work, every day, yeah. Correct. Yep. You do all of that, and hopefully, you like your job like you and I do, Gav. We love coming to work, but at some point, I'm going to not want to come here. Yeah. You know, I work in the financial planning game. I, I'd like to think I know a little bit about it, but you're right. So, it's purely just when your assets that you've got. So, again, coming to our balance sheet, what have we actually got invested? What, what financial assets do we have? Superannuation. So, if you look at um, point 11 and and 12 on the FS360 chart, you know, super plan and investment plan. They effectively tie into your retirement plan, which is number seven on the chart. What, where have you got your assets deployed and what passive income is coming now? The passive income is effectively just, in, for all intents and purposes, income that you receive without putting in any personal effort whatsoever. Yep. So you're not working for it at all. And then the key distinction between having a share-based portfolio in retirement and a property-based portfolio in retirement is... I would argue a share-based portfolio is as passive as you can get, whereas property, even if you're a very, very successful and lucky property investor and your tenants are great, you still have to pay the more. You still have to pay the management fees. You still Rates. have to pay insurances. <laughs> utilities. Well, you yeah. should be paying insurances, yeah. and you should be paying a manager. Utilities, rates, water bills, all. And then again, after a while, the air conditioner is going to blow up. The yeah. carpet is going to need to be changed. There is going to need to be painting done. These things happen whether it's your home or your tenant loves it. Hopefully they do look after a little bit for you and, you know, the odd job they fix. But at some point, those big ticket items are going to need to be done. So, again, in retirement, if you're looking at going, you know, overseas for three or four months in our winter, do you want to be flicking emails between your manager and a supplier, changing all these sort of things? Yep, get the stove fixed or swapped over or whatever it is. I know a lot of clients. You know, we had one uh, a couple come in Geelong not long ago and they've got a portfolio of, of properties at the moment. They're in their mid-50s and very much on the right track. And they've even said to me, we don't want these when we retire. They're here for a purpose, but we're, we're, going to, we're only going to hold them for as literally as long as we need and then they're gone. Yep. Where do we then deploy our capital from there to yep. get this income? And that's where we've come into play. So... To summarise, passive income is an income that you earn or receive without any personal exertion whatsoever. Without actively going into work Correct. for it. So the idea is to build up that asset bank or the balance sheet, you know, your, everything that's in your assets, to a stage where you can derive that income from it in a passive nature the day you retire so that you're not slowly selling off your assets through retirement. Yep. You know, you can keep them the whole time and, and even over your retirement, like these days, Danny... People, if you retire at 60 or 65 or even 70, you know, you could have another 20 years left, you know. A lot ideally, of people are living a lot, a lot later than they used to. So Correct. 
But um, I think you're right, like talking about those um, steps on the wheel. So goals and objectives is number one. We go all the way around to retirement plan at number seven and then we end up at superannuation and investment plan at number 11 and 12. So which is really what the FS360 program is about is to try and ensure that uh, if you get all the 12 steps right um, or pretty well right, um, you're going to achieve and maintain that financial security, which is what we're all about, mate. It's why we come into work every day for Absolutely. our clients. So, um and Danny, just run us through, like, why is it important not to focus on your net worth or your balance sheet? Like, a lot of people will say, oh, look, I'm worth this because this property's worth that and my own house is worth that and I don't owe any money there. So I'm, I'm actually, people love to sort of have a figure on what they're worth, you know. Um, why is it important not to focus on that? It's a really good topic in that in the financial planning game, we hear a lot of this sort of statement. I am worth X, Y, Z because therefore I am wealthy. Hence, my definition is, well, I don't really care so much about what your balance sheet says. I care more about what your income statement says because you could be worth, on a, on a balance sheet point of view, $10 million. You've got $10 million worth of gold, antiques, shares even, property. But if the passive income that it's generating is only 10, 20 grand and you need 50 or 60 grand... To survive. To survive. Yeah. Let's say your ideal, passive, your ideal retirement income is 50, 60K... And your ten million dollar portfolio is only producing ten or twenty grand. I would argue you're not wealthy because you've got to start to sell your assets off now. Ten mil is a bit of a stretch. It's obviously an exaggeration that you could probably sell ten mil over a few years and, and live quite well. But the concept is there in that the income generation isn't sufficient. Whereas mm. if I had a, a million dollars worth of assets and it was generating me eighty grand, but I only needed fifty or sixty, I would argue that I'm a lot more wealthy than the preceding example that I gave, which. If I go back to my the blog that I've written, Gav, I've given an example where we've got two people. One wants a retirement of 50K and one wants a retirement that's going to cost $95,000. So they're both you know, of similar age and they've both deployed their asset. They've both sorry, got a similar asset base by way of capital value, but they've deployed it differently. So if they both have enough passive income to reach that 50, 95K, they're both wealthy in my opinion. Mm. The 95K guy isn't any more wealthier than the 50K because they're both achieving their own goals and objectives. Yeah. All right? Whereas if old mate who wants to earn 95K only has 60 grand coming in, he's got a $35,000 shortfall. Yeah. So is he wealthy? And it's he, not, and not he, for me to determine what his goals yeah, and objectives are. And he or she may get to retirement and go, oh, I've kind of failed in my planning because whatever my assets are worth or whatever they're worth the income I need to survive every year is 95000 because I want to, as you say, people got different needs. Some people want to pay for their grand grandkids um, private schooling or they want to drive in a brand new car. Someone in retirement might be happy driving the old ute, you know, or whatever. So I suppose, yeah, you, you, that definition of wealth is interesting, isn't it? And on the outside, it's very easy to assume that the guy that needs ninety five, yeah, he's got $60 um, versus our guy that needs 50 who has 50 there's a $10,000 difference there. Yep. So on the outside, you might go, okay, well, the person earning 60 grand is more wealthy than the, the person earning 50 grand of passive income. Yep. But as we've suggested, it's not reaching their own lofty goals and expe- goals and objectives. Um, therefore, I would say the $50,000 guy is a little bit more wealthy than, than the other. Yeah, yeah. Yep. As, a, as a general rule. Regardless of what that capital wealth is in the background. That, um, those examples you've given in that in that article um, are really good and succinct and you've used real round figures and, and they're easy to understand. And yep. I often say, um, Danny, to some, our listeners that I'm not really a financial person. I'm more sort of marketing creative. So for me to understand that top to bottom was really good. And it's only a short one. 
like it's probably only 300 words or so, 400 words. So it's a nice, easy one to sort of digest. Um, and it just gets that conversation started between maybe you and your partner or you and um, your kids or whoever it is, or maybe even you and your your parents or someone going into retirement to have a chat to them about it. So absolutely, um, we, we, well, let's let's go through them for the for the yeah, listeners. Sure. So I do this I do this um, little exercise in meetings quite a little bit where you know I ask a client you know when did would you like to retire and they answer the question sixty five. I say okay based on your own retirement goals and objectives how much do you need and they say 50, 60, 70 grand whatever it might be. Then we say okay where's that money going to come from going back to point 11 and 12 super and investment plan and then your retirement plan as well at number seven and we go okay if you need an hour our example in the blog fifty thousand dollars long term you know your cash is going to get a little bit more than what we're getting now so it's not fair to compare what it's currently getting because so it's at like one and a half percent <laughs> even less it's less half, half a percent something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. so Horrible. i've used i've used a figure of three percent because i think that's fair and reasonable so in order to get our fifty thousand dollars if we were investing in cash itself based on a figure of 3% yield, we would need about $1.6 million in cash to achieve that 50 grand per year without having to eat into the capital, which you made the point of earlier. We yep. don't want to do that if we can. Yep. So 1.6 mil is the balance sheet we're going to need to get the income statement that we want. Yep, which is just the, um, the value of all your assets. Correct. Yeah, yep. Correct. just for anyone that's un- not understanding what balance sheet is, yeah. And there are other ones out there, you know, gold, antiques, cars, that, that have a, a, an asset value to them but, you know, I don't know the last time when gold gave me an income stream or an antique gave an income, you've got to actually sell the asset to derive any benefit. And yes. that means, and you can only spend or sell your dollar once. Once you've sold your ounce of gold or your painting, you can't sell it again. Yep. So you've either got to replace it or you've got to hope that it's enough to last however long. The next one is property. So it gives us its income in the form of rent checks, obviously. So long term in Australia, now give or take these figures, but the yield is about 4% growth. So to get our $50,000 on about a 4% yield, we're going to need around $1.25 million worth of investment properties. Now, with today's boom in prices, you're looking at around two or three properties. You can't have two and a half or three and a half. You could have either two or three uh, to get that yield. So remember, too, that that yield is gross. So out of that's got to come, as we've been saying, management, insurance, taxes, costing, all of that. So our friend who needs 50K likely are going to need more probably three or four properties to pay for their expenses, purely just investment expenses, and then end up with the 50K that they need. So, you know, they're either going to have to buy more properties than they probably need or find another source of income for the top up. Now, the more properties you have, as we've discussed, the less passive it truly becomes over time. So that's why I say that property is a great way to, to build your asset base while you're working but I'm just not sure if it's the best retirement income. All the way through retirement, yeah. Correct, correct. Lastly, we go to shares. So the income from shares is obviously dividends or distributions if you're in a managed fund. And dividends are purely nothing more than a share of the profits that the company that you own shares in has made. So if you own 100 shares and that company's paying a dividend of, you know, a dollar per share, then that's going to be what you'll receive. And in order to get that, and again, I use the CBA as examples all the time because it's a bit of a darling. Everybody knows it. The CBA, for it to get its profit, you don't need to work a, a, a second for. If a branch down the road in Sturt Street here, if they get their, their window broken into over the weekend, they don't call you to 
you know, pick up the tab and, and shareholder. It. Yes, yeah. it does come <laughs> out of the profit. So overall, as in, you know, less expenses and more profits overall. However, you are not bugged whatsoever. You, they employ very smart, or depending on who you ask, they employ a lot of people to manage the business for yes. you. And as a shareholder of it, you basically get voting rights. But the best part about it is you get the passive income, which is the dividends that that company has worked very hard to get. And what personal exertion have you have you had to do? Zero, pretty much, other than maybe just turning a blind eye to short-term market volatility because that's... And keeping in touch with your financial planner. Yeah, correct, over correct. that time, advisor. Because yep. that's not why you're in the game for. You're not in the game to, you know, get a 100% capital growth return. You're in the game more for, more for income. So over the long term too, the average Australian share portfolio, it's returned around 5% yield. With franking credits, it's probably closer to six, but I've been a little bit conservative in my comparison. So using a 5% dividend yield to get our 50 grand, the numbers are pretty easy. You need a million dollars invested in shares. Um, and I do acknowledge, yeah, you know, in the short term, there is obviously the volatility, but if you can focus on the income, you should be able to accept it. So to summarise that, if you've got three people using, trying to use three different asset classes to get the same amount of money, I'm going to need 1.6 million Someone else is going to need 1.25 and you're going to need a million depending on where you invest your, your money into. Yeah, so whether again, you're cash, property sheet. or shares. Yeah. So I don't necessarily care what the figure is. I care what is it, what is it invested in. And the question I ask is out of 1.6, 1.2 and $1 million of genuine financial investments, which of those three figures do you think is easy to achieve? Well, I suppose you're going to that lower amount is always going to be 100%. easier to get to, isn't it? The one million, so and it's and deployed more efficiently for you. So mm. less is less is more. Yeah, That's saying less is more. It actually takes less work too. And as you say, Danny, like doesn't mean you can't think about property and gold and other things and art and whatever and classic cars while you're working and while you've got your active income. Um, but we're kind of more talking about how do we derive that passive income long term? Um, and I suppose that balance sheet or your big list of assets that you've got. How is that going to derive you income so that you don't have to sell them? I mean, Correct. the ideal really to get through your retirement and then hand all those assets over to your family, um, wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? And I think a lot of people think, oh, no, I've got to sort of three years into my retirement, I'll sell that property. For another four years, I'll sell that property and then I'll have enough to live. Worst well, thing you can do. Yeah, but if you can do, if you can do it without... Uh, selling your assets and getting rid of your assets, as you say, selling the painting or selling the piece of gold, because for you're, some you're people, far better off. Correct. For some people, the a big goal is financial legacy. So if they retire with again their million dollars, they want to you know gift to the next generation as much as they possibly can. So yep. that means that I still want to enjoy my retirement now, but I want my the return on my investments, you know, the yield or whatever, to be effectively equal to what I'm spending. So then my capital either plateaus. You know, best case scenario grows, but either plateaus or only diminishes diminishes a little bit. So a very common, you know, uh, concept that we see is people like the clients I've referred to before. They use property to build their wealth up because, you know, things like banks like property for leverage. So you can borrow money and you can, there are a lot of Once opportunities. Once you've got equity there, in one, you correct. can use that equity to buy another one. So yeah. while you're accumulating, there are things like depreciation and expenses. They are a very, very good wealth creation tool um, to a certain point. And that's at that certain point is where my, my belief is that they can become a little bit a little bit inefficient, which is why in the opening sentence of my um of my blog here, you know, we hear a lot of people say, I'm worth XYZ, I'm wealthy. And as I said, I don't really care what the what the bottom line says, I more care about the intricate details as to where it is. And I always counter that with, okay, that that's fine, but how much passive income do you have? 
And that's normally a question that not many people will know the answer to no. off the top of their head because we're not brought up to talk about it. It's, it's just in our nature to go, I'm worth this. Like my farm's worth this, my house, my car is worth this. We're not, we don't, you don't, you very rarely, you know, around the pub or the footy club, you very rarely hear people talk about their dividend check yeah. or their rental check, do you? It's just yeah. not part of the, the common, you know, vocabulary of an Australian. And, a bit and that's of that just is, how we are. A bit of that is cultural, isn't it, in Australia? Yeah, because sure. we've always been the greatest Australian dream is to buy property. 100%. You know? um, so get your first house sorted first and then think about what you're going to do after that, which is still a very valid way of investing, you know. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day, Danny, my mother-in-law's from England and she um, couldn't believe it when she first emigrated to Australia that all these people owned their own properties. Because over there, UK like generations, generations rent, of yeah. people don't ever, ever, ever own a property. So they always rent. They might do investments and do other things or whatever. But, you know, over here, I think it's just, yeah, it's what we call the lucky country probably. Mm. Everyone's got an opportunity to work hard and buy some property and become, you know, an investor. Because definitely, there are definitely some pros to it as we've, we've touched on a few times, um, from a pure income point of view. Yep. There, there are probably some other options out there that uh, we can look at. Yep, yep. Um, Danny, um, how can shifting that focus um, to your passive income or, or your income statement, you've called it, um, how can it really change that outlook on your investing, I suppose? Like, how do you see your clients? Is it like a light bulb moment where they go, oh, gee, oh wow, you know, I never really thought about it that way. Yeah, for sure. So... The way that I think that it can shift your approach to investing is, as my exercise suggests, is people are surprised at how little they need to actually achieve what they want to achieve based on how it's deployed. Yep. And that's where a financial planner comes into play with things like asset allocation, risk profile, where is your money invested and why, what percentage and whatnot. So when we discuss this topic with them, we can say, you know, your investment coming into the meeting, people sort of say, as I said, it's very common for them to say, I need as much money as I can possibly have. You know, I need as much capital as I can possi possibly have. And we say, okay, that, that, that makes sense. But depending on the particular yield that you might be able to derive from a certain asset class, you might need as much as you think. And as the, as the exercise suggests, you know, the difference between the two here or the three is around 700 grand. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So yeah. for, for someone to come in and walk in and say, you know, I can say to them, you actually need $700,000 less than you thought you did to be able to achieve, number one, on FS360, all of your own goals and objectives. You know, we've had people cry tears of joy when they hear that because their whole world turns upside down in that they thought that they were failure. They thought that they hadn't saved enough. They thought that they were too frivolous. They didn't think they were all that. And then they go, hang on, I'm nearly there already based yeah. on this new figure. If I look at my super and I look at I've got 10 years to go, you know, and then the old analogy is someone in their 50s is at what we call um, in the haymaking years where, you know, the stereotype is more income than ever because they're, probably in, the, in a senior role they've got no debt and they've also got no uh, they're an empty nester so as a result their their income is higher and their expenses are lower than ever before so they've got more disposable income to invest so yep. then they've got time to really make hay while the sun shines a little bit and then they also have the peace of mind that they don't need anywhere near as much as they actually thought as long as it's just invested a little bit different and it's more just a pivot moment in that yep. you, you, you spent this time building up, you've paid your mortgage off, you've done whatever, which I think is always a good idea generally is to go to retirement without a mortgage if you can. Um, now how can we make our money or our bricks and mortar or our investments, how can we make them start to work for us? Yeah. So we're not working anymore. We've done that. We're 60. We've been yep. working for 40 years. How do we have our assets work hard for us? And that's a big question and that's how it changes people's lives because, you know, there's, a, there's, there's just a, a common misconception out there that, you know, financial planners 
at that value, which is just, you know, um, disproving that basically. Yep. yep. And I think a lot of it is, uh, as you say, um, it's a hard one for say someone in their twenties or thirties even to think about this stuff. But uh, I, I can say from personal uh, being in my, in my sort of second half of my forties now, Danny, you, you, you don't have the same energy work that you always had like when I was 25 I was out there having a crack you know working 12 hour days or whatever now if I did a 12 hour day I'd nearly you know I'd nearly um, faint you know whatever or need a big snap so I think the thing is that making hay while the sun shines is a great idea coming into the later parts of life but you can't rely on just working harder you know you can't just rely on I'm just going to work hard and I'm just going to keep working it you know 60 hours a week forever you just can't do it. Can't you know, do your it. body just can't do it, depending if you're a trader or a farmer or someone where you're working with your body. So, But it's interesting how much of this conversation, Danny, I just wanted to digress for a bit, um, how closely related this conversation is to a couple of our previous podcasts and articles. One of them is one that you did called The Art of Doing Nothing. So we talked about that share market being volatile over time, which is why some people don't like going to it mm-hmm. or going to the share market. But The Art of Doing Nothing is a great um, article, guys, in our news section. Have a bit of a look um, that Danny's written about thinking about looking at shares as that long-term. So, the, yes, the short-term volatility, ups and downs. COVID was one. Global financial crisis was another one back in, what was that, 08, 09. Mm. So these big yep. things happen. Market Dot goes down. at the turn of the... Millennial century? Yeah. So you sort of, but the art of doing nothing's one. And the other one is that transition to aged care, which Antonia Gapes, she's up in our Sunshine Coast office. She, we did a podcast and article about that transition to aged care. Because a lot of people, as you say, you know, in that conversation, they were talking about, oh, having to sell the the family asset or having to sell the family assets in order to get into aged care. Um, But it's not always the case. You know, if you can plan really well for it, which is sort of, roundabout way what we're talking about here with goals and objectives and understanding that there are other options it isn't just as simple as i've got this much money if i sell a little bit of it and if i cash a bit of it in i'm going to be able to survive so i think this whole conversation today is really about looking at that you know retirement income and and um your assets in a bit of a different way isn't it absolutely and i do like how you said the second half of your 40s there gav very very (laughs) good one there you need second half just accept it um yeah exactly but yeah Really good one. So Antonio's podcast and blog was really, really good. I enjoyed it. So this this is actually a big piece in that, you know, big question with the aged care is how do I fund the rad or whatnot. Yep. And as I said, a good part about having your house paid off and a very, very soundly invested portfolio is you can typically use, and this is general obviously, use the house to pay the rad. Because yep. typically it's, it's better to pay the rad off as a general rule. Now some situations would dictate otherwise, but you can use the house to pay that off. And then, but you still need to pay for, you know, the daily fee and all those sort of things. Where is that income going to come from? Now, if you're receiving the age pension, it's purely pretty much it. Or if you've got your assets deployed in a certain way where you're receiving 20, 30, 40 grand of an income from a share portfolio or whatnot, you can effectively pay for all your costs and you can live in a surplus situation while in aged care as well. So it helps in that regard too. Now, there are intricacies in, you know, what's accessible and your age pension moves up and down. As we always say. Yeah. But that's what I mean by. If you if you enter retirement debt free with your own home, it does open up the opportunity for when that time comes where you know a lot of us do end up in in aged care, which is just part of it. It gives you the options to be able to maximise your position going in there as well, and also having the the passive income then too. When you're 80, 90, you still need an income to pay for things in aged care, so it um it can benefit you yeah. way down the track as well. So there are a lot of benefits to having having your um having your balance sheet deployed mm. in a in a prudent way that's going to work a little bit more efficiently for you 
um, down the track because, quite frankly, you deserve it at that point. Yeah, yeah, you've worked hard, you've got your investments yeah. in line. I think too, Danny, that the thing that people don't probably rate at the moment if they're listening to this is the amount of headspace that this will create for you. So I think a lot of people, as they get older and they're closer to retirement, how am I going to survive? How, it's, it's, a, it's a head screw you know they're sort of thinking about what they can possibly do and whatever so as you say having a really good goals and objectives laid out and those plans laid out that we've spoken about just gives you peace of mind and that's the thing for a lot of people that is worth a lot more than the actual money you know i think it's priceless so that's why in my definition the first sentence is you're wealthy when you have achieved true financial peace of mind and the listeners will probably pick up a theme that i i love that peace of mind is my big my big thing so my elevator pitch that i have is people say what do you do you know at a barbecue what do you do i say i, I take away people's financial stress and i give financial peace of mind yep. again deliberately ambiguous because that can basically suit nearly any person's circumstance yep. that little kind of again elevator pitch is what, what what i call it but that is priceless in that if you're if you've got the financial peace of mind and that means as i said if that means that you've got a 20 grand income stream and that's enough and you've got full financial peace of mind, then that's, that's you know, home and hosed. If you've got a $100,000 income stream, and we chatted off air about a previous client, he earned $100,000 from a passive income stream and was the most miserable man I think I've ever dealt with at work. And you sort of think you've got almost everything and you're still unhappy. He didn't have peace of mind because... He was always worried about things. He was worried about the price yeah. of petrol, the price of this, the price of inflation. Which government's going. coming in, yeah. Correct. Yes. He, he wouldn't even turn the heater on. You know, he lived, lived down the southwest, so a bit cold in the wintertime because he didn't think he had the fight. And, you know, no matter how hard we tried, it took a while and we finally broke him in a, in a good way. But when, when he came to see us initially, yeah. he couldn't have had anything further away from financial peace of mind. And yeah. by the end of it, we were able to deliver that to him. And he literally said, this is priceless. I would pay nearly anything for this because yeah. I sleep well at night now. And like he, fi- he probably finally understood it. Yeah, you know, correct. Yeah. It, it did take a while, but from my point of view, I sort of saw it as a bit of a challenge in yes. that you know, a lot of the time it doesn't take quite as long. But yep. And all that we did with this particular gentleman was go through this whole process again and he was sort of more fixated on the balance sheet side of things. He needed more money in the bank. He, didn't, he, that was, he couldn't quite get his head around that distinction between... Yep capital value and income and once he finally what i like to say saw the came to the light and removed from removed himself from the dark side light at the end of the tunnel yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. He, um you know he, he achieved this financial peace of mind and and that was that was re- that was really from a, a personal professional point of view as well yeah very that satisfying was, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. of course it was and i think um you know it's we've got a, a bit of a tagline that goes with our logo here down at mulcane co so there's lots of but there's six different divisions here, right? There's five different offices. So we're all something. Yeah, as you just said, it's interesting people want to talk to them. They want to say, when someone says, what do you do? They want to say a title. Like I'm an accountant or I'm a marketing person or I do, I'm do. i a financial planner. But if you actually think about um, the tagline that hangs off our logo, um, Danny, for the listeners is to help committed clients achieve and maintain financial security. So that's what everyone here is aiming to do, whether that's, in marketing, it's getting you more customers or making sure that, you know, your website's in order for you. It's all this stuff that we're talking about for an accountant. It's lowering tax and making sure that you, you don't owe the tax, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, office a huge amount of money long term. So all of us are really working to that higher purpose of achieving that financial security. And this is a really prudent um, sort of topic to talk about, um, which kind of goes back to why we all turn up at work here. So there's 160 um, Mulcahy Co. people in Australia um, in the business, and we're all we all turn up to work to do, do that exact thing that you just spoken about. And, and as you say, when you do achieve it with a client, it's just so satisfying, isn't it? Oh, it is. That's why you come to work. We we got some really good feedback. 
you know, from we saw a mum recently. She was she well retired and didn't have financial peace of mind. Was using an, an external party and was was very very stressed. Had the the assets not didn't need to be. Um, and she, based on the work that we were able to do, we put her in this position of financial peace of mind so greatly that she referred her daughter to us, who sort of said the same thing. And from our point of view, you know, myself and my colleague had a bit of a debrief afterwards. You know, that was the, the basically the euphoric moment of what, why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're having people sort of get emotional in a positive way yep. by the um, by the influence we have, and it's nothing. It's this is not the the best thing about what we've discussed today is it's not it's simple. It's a simple concept. Yeah, you can. As I said right at the start of this conversation, I read through it as a not really a non financial yep. person, and I understood it top to bottom. So it, it's simple in that just just pivot from your worth to your income. That's all it is. But it's not easy to, and I acknowledge that. And we because as you said earlier, it's a cultural thing in this in this country where yep. I'm worth this. My ha- you know, knock on my head, this is mine. Can't can't get taken away from me. Um, but that doesn't always translate to financial security or financial financial peace of mind. Um, and it sort of comes back to one of our um, internal uh, for the team here at Mulcahy Co is to work our, our bl- internal beliefs is to work smarter, not harder. Yep. It's one of the things that we try and do here. So rather than just work more hours a week, let's see if we can get that work done in, in, a, in a smarter way and maybe it takes less hours and it's less pressure. So in a lot of ways we do that internally, Danny, by tapping into the knowledge of the person at the next desk because we might have a financial planner sitting here an accountant sitting there and an agribusiness um, expert there and a lawyer there. So we we do that smarter by tapping into those resources, which is exactly what the customer or clients are doing with, with a financial advisor. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so is that, is that, does that sort of wrap up how a financial advisor can help with this whole situation, do you think, by just sort of having the, the client um, consult the expert, I suppose? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. So, like I said, this uh, just just before the, the whole concept is is simple but not easy. And I've mm. touched on a few different circumstances that have walked through the door, and you know we've been able to unpack everything. And again, going back to FSC, you know, what are their goals and objectives? That because that's the first thing is that what are you trying to achieve and why? Because I'm, if I don't know those things. The remaining 11 things on FS360 are irrelevant because what am I trying to achieve for? Very hard to do it. <laughs> so you need to find that first and it needs to be organic and you need to know your own why, not just because you heard the bloke at the pub and you think it sounds cool. That's the first thing. And then we can adopt as financial planners, we can adopt numerous strategies and you know we can t- lay out the accountants, marketing if you're a business owner, all those sort of things um, and come up with the most ideal investment strategy tailored to you, personal to you, in order to... As the last sentence of the blog says, you know, in order to get the balance sheet you need to get the income you need. And that's where we come into play. Yep. Rather than just building assets, you know. Aimlessly. Aimlessly, yeah, without that goal and objective. So that's great, Danny. Thank you, mate. Yeah, thanks for your time today. That's a really interesting subject. And I think um, anywhere where it tries to almost change or pivot somebody's um, normal thinking, I think is a beneficial thing for anyone to do in, in anything uh we're talking about finances here today and retirement and investments but you know just to challenge yourself to think a different way i think is good in most parts of life so thanks for your time today danny that was great no worries gab thanks for having me podcast number what are you up to you're a good podcaster with four me or five. yeah it could be four, could be the fifth one i enjoy um, podcast so the podcast uh for all, the li- all our listeners are available on apple and uh spotify but they're also if you're not into the apps you can just listen to them straight on our website 
um, there's an FS360 podcast page there. Um, so you can go back and listen to those ones we spoke about, um, transitioning to aged care and the art of doing nothing as well. So but thanks again, Danny, for your time. And uh, that's a wrap. Cheers. Perfect. Thanks for your time, Gav, and to the listeners out there. Hopefully this has prompted a conversation or a thought or anything like that about, hmm, maybe I have my assets looked at or reviewed, anything like that. So don't be afraid to, uh, to reach out. We're more than happy to help anybody if we can. Thanks, Gav. Thanks, Danny. See ya. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.